Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today, as we conclude our series, Kingdom Come, we will discover at the end of praying the Lord's Prayer that God inspires us to live differently in light of the realities for which we have prayed. Our lives as disciples are not just marked by how we pray, but how we live. Speaking of journeys, as I shared earlier, we are finishing up a journey today. We are finishing up our sermon series, Kingdom Come. And uh, if you are joining us for the very first time, uh, I'll catch you up here in a little bit. But we have been going through the Lord's Prayer line by line. Matthew, it's, it's located in Matthew chapter 6. It's also found in Luke as well. And uh, the, the disciples... His, the people who followed Jesus around asked him one day, teach us to pray. Actually, they didn't ask him. They told him, teach us to pray. And this was the way that he taught them to pray and teaches us to pray as well. And so as we are at the end, uh, I think we have some reflecting to undergo. Because after all, let's be honest, at any kind of ending... That is the time that we reflect. There's a reason why there's a saying called hindsight is 2020, right? Until this this until something is completed, it's really hard to see and reflect what everything meant, right? Uh, Think, for instance, um, a time that you were in transition in your life. Maybe you were waiting for a new job, or you were thinking about you you were going to move, or, or think about Maybe even a, a moment of, uh, you know, where your health, <laughs> when men get the flu this time of year, uh, we, <laughs> that is a time of uh, difficult transition for men, right? Uh, we, we get sidelined. Um, and you're just waiting for it to be done, right? And when it's done and over with, even at the ending of this transition or this time of hardship or this time of decision, even if it's not the way that you wanted it to turn out, there is a sigh of relief. There's a reason why the majority of our stories that we read and the stories that we watch have endings, right? There's a reason why so many of us, when we get on Netflix and begin a show, can't stop watching the show until you complete the show because every single show has a cliffhanger, right? We don't like this cliffhanging. We like it to be resolved. Because we don't fully understand everything that is going on when it's still going on. But once it's done, we can breathe. We can reflect. We can understand. Endings matter. They do. How we end things matter. And believe it or not, just like in all things in life, just like in stories, just like circumstances in our lives, how we end this prayer matters. So, we have come to the ending of the prayer. And this prayer, if you don't know the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to go over it here in just a second, just a brief recap. But this prayer is so has really changed us, changed the way that we act, changed the way that we live, changed the way we see the world. 
And when we first began the prayer, we, we began with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And we discovered that the God of the universe, the God who is oh so powerful and oh so great and oh so infinite and all of these things that we are not, that God, the one true God, is our Father. Our, our, our intimate Father, our Dad. And that if we believe in Christ Jesus, his son, who has taken, has taken sin and wiped it clean and also has given us brand new life, he becomes our dad. And so in the very first time that we pray to God, we're saying to God, we're identifying who he is, but also who we are. That he is our dad, that he can provide and guide and knows what's best for for us And for us, the children, the sons and daughters of God, we look to Him for everything. Everything that we do is in worship to Him. And so as we pray this, we declare who we are and who He is. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done. And in the second line, all of a sudden, we are putting our own way aside. We're saying it's not about me. It's about what you want here in this world and also in my life. And when I say your kingdom come, your will be done, I'm saying I'm willing to participate in the kingdom that is coming. And whatever that might mean for, for me, I will do as God asks. Love my neighbor as myself. Then we start to think, how does that begin? How does that work? If I'm going to do all of God's will, what about all of the different things that I can worry about? And we move to the next part. Give us this day our daily bread. And this part of the prayer says, I believe God is going to provide for me what is needed to live out that reality. To live out his will, to live out his kingdom. God, would you give me even the most mundane thing like bread? And so we rely upon God for our bread, our water, the roof over our heads, the heat in our buildings, and then everything up from there. And it's not a kind of give us this day our daily bread where we're going to be so prosperous and we're going to get that Lamborghini we've always wanted, but it comes down to just being content with what God gives and relying upon Him. And then we pray later, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we've, we learned that we do things wrong. We do things that God doesn't want for us, that our Father doesn't want for us. And we ask for, for that forgiveness. But we've also understood in that line that accepting God's forgiveness means offering forgiveness to all others who have wronged us. It's impossible to experience God's forgiveness if you personally hold grudges and do not forgive those who have wronged you. So we pray this to God. We pray, forgive us as we forgive those. He gives us the ability to forgive others. And last week we moved into, finally, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And we, we began to understand that this world has a lot of temptations for us 
to potentially wrong God or wrong other people. And by praying to God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, we are saying that we trust God to take care of evil and to provide for us ways through temptation to not fall into that trap of committing evil and wrong against God and others. We learned that evil is not up to us to figure out, but it's up to God to take care of. We've prayed all of these things, and it's so reality changing. It transforms everything that you see in this world that when you get to the end, you're just ready to go, for that is the kingdom of the glory ever, ever, ever. <laughs> we usually like to pray the last part really, really fast. But this last part is so important. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And if you're not an old English person, thine simply means for yours. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Amen. Now, if you turn in your Bibles right now to Matthew chapter 6, you will not find this in the Bible. You'd be like, why do we pray this then? It's very interesting on, on how we began to pray this way. It was actually um, when, when, when back in the old days when they were looking through the Greek, the original Greek text, actually a lot of people in tradition attributed a certain part of the Greek text to be a part of Matthew. But as time has gone on, as archaeologists understand more and more, they don't think that's something that Matthew actually wrote in the Gospel of Matthew. However, we are creatures of habit, and we just keep on keeping on with this line. But this line is, is something, I think, that is important to continue to pray as we pray this, because it sort of wraps it all up. It gives us the ability to reflect on everything that we had just prayed for. And so, uh, we, we, we pray this, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, as a part of our worship as we pray. They call this the doxology. Now, if you've never been to church before, and you're like, what is a doxology? It's very simple. A doxology is a movement of worship. It is an item to, to be a part. The, the first song that we sang today was called the new doxology. It's not really that new, but it's a different arrangement and it's something that the church has sung for years upon years upon years as a part of their worship, as a part of our worship. And so as we say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, we're lifting up praises to God. It reminds us of everything that we just prayed, that everything that we might be concerned about belongs to him. The kingdom is his. The power is His. The glory is His. Forever and ever and ever. Amen. Speaking of amen, how many of you know what amen means? So be it. It also could be translated as, yes! Some of you were saying amen yesterday whenever Ohio State finally woke up. Amen! Yeah, right? No. Uh, <laughs> no, amen is, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a yes. It's a so be it. It is a this is true. 
as we end this amazing journey of prayer, we are saying that everything that we have just said and everything that we have asked for can be handled by God. We say at the very end, this is true. God can handle all things. God can take care of evil. God can enable us to live in his reality and do his will. God can provide for us even our daily bread. God can even have us give us the ability to forgive others like we have been forgiven. This doxology is an amazing reminder of everything that we've prayed about. It speaks truth into our lives. Willimon and Hauerwas say this about this line in particular. We would not know truth were it not for being taught this prayer. For Christians, the Lord's Prayer determines what is true. Think about that for a moment. When we pray this prayer, we are asking for God's way of thinking to be inserted into our lives so much that our lives look like this prayer. It means that my life is not my own. Is that I don't actually provide everything in my life. Actually, God provides it. It, it, it shows that, yes, I can indeed forgive others. Yes, I can indeed stand up to temptation, whatever it might be, and also love others when they do evil to me. This prayer determines what is true, what, can, what is supposed to be. It determines what the kingdom come actually means. So we say this, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. To say, yes, this, everything that I've asked you, God, I believe and trust for you to take care of. That's what prayer is. A lot of people like to say, prayer is just communicating to God. And so some people will go, hey, God, what's up? No, prayer is about us understanding what he wants for us. Yeah, we bring our burdens to him. Yes, we worship him. But in that prayer, he transforms us to go and live differently. And that's really, at the end of a prayer, we must really exercise. Because when we get done with praying a lot of times, we're like, all right, I'm going to work. Got to go get the kids up. Got to go make breakfast. If you're a night prayer, you're like, I didn't finish my prayer because I fell asleep. <laughs> what now? What comes of a time of sitting down or kneeling or walking and praying? What comes of this? What do you do at the end? You say amen and just everything is the same? 
I sure hope not. I sure hope that when we pray this prayer, that our lives and our eyes are open to what God is wanting, that our, how we might have lived our life that day might be totally different if we did not pray that prayer. And so, at the end of the prayer, I think it is a good idea to go to the end of all things. If we really want to understand what we are committing ourselves to when we pray this prayer, maybe we should go forward. Let's look into the future and see how Jesus expected his disciples to be how he expected his disciples to act. And so today, we're going to move from Matthew 6 to Matthew chapter 25. You, it will be up on the screen for you, but it's also, uh, you can look in your own Bibles, but Matthew chapter 25, beginning with verse 31. And Jesus is sharing with his disciples what's going to happen when he comes back. Just to give you a history lesson real quick, okay? Jesus came. He came in a manger. We're going to celebrate that in a few weeks. He lived a life, a ministry of about two to three years in his 30s. He healed the sick. He preached the gospel. He did amazing things. And then he was killed for it. He was killed for it. And we believe that that death wiped away sin. And then three days later, he rose again and he spent time on earth as a resurrected body, as a resurrected Lord for about 40 days. And then 40 days later, he went back up into the clouds and into heaven. But he said before he left, he said, I'm coming back. You know, I'm going to go whoop. I'm going to go whoo. I'm going to come back down. <laughs> I'm going to come back, and this is what is going to happen when I return. And this is what he says. Now, when the human one comes in his majesty and all his angels are with him, he will sit on his majestic throne. This is far different than who Jesus was. Jesus was homeless. He was completely dependent upon others sometimes, sometimes completely dependent upon his father. He did not wear... Th he did not wear beautiful kingly robes. He didn't go on a throne. He walked around and served others and hung on a cross. But when he comes back, he will be on his majestic throne. And all the nations will be gathered in front of him. And he will separate them from each other just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. If you didn't know this, sheep and goats are entirely different creatures. They act completely different. It's good to keep them apart from each other. He will put his sheep... On, the right, on his right side, but the goats he will put on his left. He constantly said that his followers are sheep, not goats. So he's talking about the followers. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who will receive good things from my father, inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then those who are righteous will reply to him, 
very inquisitively because Jesus hasn't been around for a few years. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king, Lord Jesus, will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. If you were thinking that after this prayer, this is what exactly you needed to truly live a life like God wanted you to leave, lead, and you're just going to pray till the kingdom come, Jesus says something different here. Will Jesus be happy when we pray as he teaches us to pray? Sure. But he's going to be far happier with us when we live in accordance to what he has asked us to do. To feed the hungry. To give, give water to those who are thirsty. To care for those who are sick. To be people who give of themselves so that others no longer have needs. The fundamental thrust of this scene is that when people respond to human need or faith to respond, they are in fact responding or failing to respond to Christ. So what a theologian said about this. And that's difficult because, again, we like to think about taking care of myself and I first. But Jesus is saying to those who believe in him, no, you are to care for the least of these. When we pray the prayer, we are giving all of the stuff in our own personal lives to him to take care of so that we are enabled to do as he has asked. To care for the least of these. To care for those in need. To live a life of humble love and of humble service and of humble generosity just as Jesus himself lived. And so we come back to the, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And when we say that it's your kingdom and power is defined by you and all glory goes to you, what we are saying is that what Jesus did and how he lived and what he says matters and everything in this world is to be defined by him. And if Jesus at the end of everything says that you are separated based on whether or not you gave to the least of these or did not, then that means something for us. If you believe in Christ and that's it, there is no fruit of caring for others and loving others and forgiving others and providing for others, you don't really believe in Him. 
You don't believe that he is indeed king and that sin has been, has been wiped clean and that resurrection is our future. You don't actually believe it. Because here's the thing. In the church, we don't believe in this concept of separation of brain and action. What your brain is, what your heart is, you will do. So we pray this prayer to prepare ourselves to do the will of God and to allow him to work through us by caring for the least of these. I don't know this person's first name, but his first initial is O, Hallisby, says this about prayer. And this, this, this really brings it all together. Prayer is given and ordained for the purpose of glorifying God. Prayer is the appointed way of giving Jesus an opportunity to exercise his supernatural powers of salvation. And in, doing, in, in so doing, he desires to make use of us. Friends, you and I pray so that God might work through us that we might have a spring to our step to be willing to go into the world and begin to bring his kingdom through loving others, through forgiving others, through allowing him to lead us to not be tempted into the different things that trip us up, to be thankful and joyful for all that he gives. All the things that we have prayed for, go and live. Allow him to make use of you. Think about this from Jesus' perspective. Jesus prayed. Go, go through the Gospels and you'll, you'll have like these moments where Jesus is doing all this and then he'll retreat to pray. And Jesus did all of these amazing things. He, had, he, he touched people and they began to walk. He, he created bread and fish for 5,000 people out of just a small bit. He, he put mud on a guy's eyes who was blind and he could see. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He did all of these things and yet he would retreat to pray. Jesus was giving everything over to the Father so that the Father might work through him and do that. Why would it not be the same for the followers of Jesus Christ? Why would we just sit here and pray, waiting for the world to get better, better when God fills us in the prayer to go and be a part of the answer of that prayer? That's what we're called to be. It's not a, just a belief system. It is your entire life. Think about it from this perspective. When we come to the end of somebody's life and they pass away and they go into the presence of God at funerals and at memorials and at celebration services, most stories are about what that person did out of love 
for their family and friends. Think about that for a moment. There are some people that are known for their prayer life, but far more people are affected by, by being faithful in prayer, but then by living fruitful life for others. And so the stories that are shared are the times when that person stopped by the side of the road and helped out with a car or simply opened up their ears and listened to, to the person in the family that was going through the hardest time that they had ever been. Or the mom who, who had sat there and, and, and <laughs> sat there and helped their, their son or their daughter go through the withdrawals of addiction. You hear these stories at funerals because when we care for the least of these, it makes a far greater impact than us just praying a prayer. The prayer prepares us to live out the reality God wants us to live. And all of a sudden, that West African proverb makes sense. When you pray, move your feet. When you pray, Move your feet. When Jesus comes back as king, he's not going to separate us based on whether or not we prayed every day. He's going to separate us based on whether our prayers led to action in the world around us. What we, have be, what we started five weeks ago, six weeks ago, wasn't just a journey for ourselves, but leads into the journey of every person we encounter in the world that we live in. Our prayers lead to greater and more wonderful things. His kingdom to come. So I ask you, as you are faithful in your prayers, is God bearing fruit in your life to care for the least of these? To feed the hungry? To clothe the naked? To heal the sick? To be with people who are in need? Or is it just about Sunday? and the Bible, and your prayers. It's all about that. If not, there's a disconnect there. And the same goes for the other perspective. Do you work so hard for others? Are you just doing it for yourself? Or are you being faithful to God and praying and giving yourself over to Him so that He might do greater work in what you do? Every action that we make after prayer is to be in line with the truth that we have prayed. That amen resounds into every minute of your day. So that we might be caught up into the kingdom. We might be caught up in bringing his kingdom into this world.
and that we would be caught up in the life that God wants for us as we pray. This is how our prayers for his kingdom to come become realized. This is how the kingdom comes. So be it. This is true. Amen. Friends, as we finish this series, let us pray together the way that he has taught us to pray. It will be up on the screen if you're a little unsure of the words, but let us pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, friends. Thank you for listening to Champion Church the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope that today's message was inspiring to you. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday. Our services are Sunday mornings at 1030. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. For more information, you can visit us at championnaz.org. We hope that you have a blessed week, and thanks again for listening.